welcome to Myth in the Mojave, 30 minutes of storytelling and conversation about mythology and why it's important to our lives today. I'm your personal mythologist, Catherine Savela. Wherever you may be in this wide, beautiful, crazy world of ours, you are part of this story circle. What gives you an experience of the transcendent? Is there anything that regularly brings you into contact with some sense of the timeless, of the eternal, um, of, of, of the sacred or the self that is behind, beyond, underneath uh, our everyday material existence? Joseph Campbell said that one of the, that the second function of mythology was to provide an image, an image of the transcendent that, that provided a portal for us so that we could imagine and feel that sense of the timeless in our everyday existence. And a reliable portal for me is looking up at the night sky. When I look up at the stars, I have a sense of the cosmos as something so vast and beautiful and yet orderly. And in fact, the word cosmos, cosmology, comes from the Greek and means order and beauty and and meaning, intrinsic logic, the intrinsic logic of the universe. And I, I love that that was understood as something that is beautiful as well as orderly, <laughs> well-organized. Um, and that I think that sense is with us today still in the word cosmology and in our sense of the design of the universe. Charles Misner, who is a physicist, said that he saw the design of the universe as essentially a religious question, which in the context of myth in the Mojave, of course, means an essentially mythological question. And he said this because he said that he thought that one should have some kind of respect and awe for the cosmos because it is magnificent and shouldn't be taken for granted. So when I look up at the grand night sky, I have a sense of the cosmos, the vastness of what we are in, and I also have a sense of myself as as the latest iteration in a long line of, of generations stretching back and back and back and back and back through history. I have a sense of the ancestral that is very powerful. So now today what I want to do is tell you a story or two from the Navajo about the cosmos, specifically about the arrangement of the constellations. I find a lot of meaning in Native American mythologies. They're a very diverse group of people and I'm not an expert on the Navajo or on Native Americans. But I think it's safe to to summarize their perspective 
by saying that there's an understanding that life is sacred. And if life is sacred, then the mythic, that is the realm of meaning, and science, the realm of observable phenomenon, and everyday life are not separate. Everything's interconnected. Everything is infused with meaning and has a reason and a right to exist. And this understanding, which I happen to think is the fundamental truth, life is sacred. I mean, what's more mysterious or precious than life? Leads to the philosophy that to live right, to live in the right relationship with everything is a sacred act. Native Americans aren't the only ones who understand that, but living in the Southwest as I do, with regular access to those cultures, all I can say is I find a lot of beauty there. Now the Navajo and all Native Americans, like all indigenous peoples, spend a lot of time understanding the sky because they were in contact with and living in the cyclical harmony of the natural world. To a large degree, we still do, (laughs) although we're doing our damnedest with our technologies to cut ourselves off from an awareness of that. But the Navajo are particularly interesting to me because for a long time they were nomadic people. So although they paid attention to the sun as we all do and always have, uh, the stars and the constellations played a particularly important role for them. If you use the sun as a calendar, then you need to have a fixed horizon. And if you're moving all the time, then you don't necessarily have that. But of course, the constellations at night are always available regardless of where you might be, you can take that calendar with you. According to the Navajo, uh, a god called the Black God, Black God had played a central role in the placement of the constellations with a little bit of help, if you want to call it that, from the trickster Coyote. But in the constellations and their arrangement, the Navajo see a perpetual picture, illustration, and also reminder of the order of the cosmos and how that celestial order is properly reflected in our lives here on planet Earth. So let me get on with the story. A long time ago, Before the people emerged onto the surface world, and in the Navajo creation myths, life began underground and people made their way up onto the surface of the earth. So a long time ago, before people emerged onto the surface world, the holy people emerged first and gathered together to create the things for this world that the other beings were going to use. So the holy people emerged from the lower worlds before human beings were even created. And they met in the first Hogun, which is the 
traditional Navajo home. And this was a specially built, specially built place. They built it as a place where they could think and plan very carefully for the orderly creation of the world that we live in now. When they were ready, the holy people then drew two figures on the floor of this creation hugan using colored sand. The heads of these figures lay toward the east and their feet were pointed towards the west because east is where new life and blessings come from. One of these figures they called Mother Earth and the other they called Father Sky. The holy people sang and the holy wind that is the breath of life that animates all things entered Mother Earth and Father Sky and they were then alive. This breath of life that animates both Father Sky and Mother Earth is that same breath that animates all living things in the universe. And this is why and how we are all related, because we share this common element. The holy people then dressed Mother Earth with various plants that would grow and provide food for the people and the animals that were to come later. And they put storms and rain on Father Sky to provide water for later people and animals. Now, the holy people, the first man, first woman, and salt woman, were sitting in the creation hogan when black god entered with the constellation of the Pleiades affixed to his ankle. When they commented on the presence of this constellation, black god stamped his foot vigorously and bump, the stars jumped up to a position on his knee. He stamped his foot again, and he brought the stars up to his hip. The holy people were impressed by black god's display and nodded approvingly, and so then he stamped his foot a third and a fourth time until the constellation was lodged along his left temple. There it shall stay. Black God declared. The holy people were so captivated by Black God's performance that they decided to give him the responsibility of creating all the constellations with which to adorn the upper dark. Black God accepted this responsibility. He took out his fawn skin pouch full of crystals, and some say that these were mica chips. And he carefully arranged them throughout the heavens, moving clockwise from the east through the south to the west and then the north, until the night sky was beautified by his glittering constellations. But these crystals didn't generate any light of their own, and so the night sky was still dark. And to solve this problem, Black God placed some of his fire in the sky by providing an igniter star to radiate light for each of these constellations. Some say that Black God went on then to give some of his fire to our sun. 
And then finally, he sprinkled a fine band of these mica chips to make the track of the Milky Way. The black god considered himself to be done, and he sat down to rest for a little bit when Coyote came along. Now, Coyote is a troublesome trickster prone to create some form of disruption, and so when he came over to Black God and complained that he hadn't been allowed to participate, well, the God knew that Coyote meant to cause some kind of mischief. But before he could stop him, Coyote grabbed the pouch of crystals, emptied it, and blew the contents across the sky. These randomly scattered stars are nameless, all but one, which Coyote characteristically named for himself, the Coyote Star. There's not complete agreement about which star this is, but Antares seems to be the most common assignation. Now, there's a different version of this story and how the stars came about. And in another version, First Woman makes the stars. First Woman makes the stars. So when these first people, the holy people, came to the fifth world, came up to the surface of our world, they brought four lights, which they scattered over the four sacred mountains. Blue light for the southern mountains, yellow for the western peaks, white from the eastern peaks, and darkness from the north. But the people were unhappy because the lights didn't carry any warmth and they needed more light to actually do anything, to do any work. So First Woman sent Glowworm, Foxfire, Lightning Beetle, and Firefly to the four corners of the land to help the people. But that still wasn't enough light. First Woman then asked Fireman in his glowing mountain to help her. And he caused the skies all around the mountain to grow very bright, but the light didn't reach far enough. And people who were close to the mountain complained about the heat and the smoke coming from this glowing mountain. So first woman thought about it, and she caused a great flat slab of quartz to be gathered and had the craftsman shape this slab into two wheels. And then the two wheels were decorated with sacred stones and items and imbued with special powers. The first wheel was decorated with turquoise and coral, horn and feather, and the second one was decorated with shells and pollen, bear claws and horns. The first wheel was taken to the top of the eastern mountain and hung in the sky to produce heat and light. And the second wheel was also hung atop the eastern peak to bring rain and lightning. But the wheels didn't move, so one side of the land was bright with warmth and rain, and the other side was really dark and barren and dry. Two old wise men showed up and offered their assistance. 
they said that they would allow their spirits to be bound into these wheels so that they would have life so they could move. What is alive moves. And that's how the sun and the moon were born. First woman then used the quart shavings that were left over from the creation of these two wheels to make more lights in the sky. One large star she put in the north, she called the campfire of the north, and caused it to never move, the north star. And then she asked Fireman to help her out some more, and he constructed a big ladder that reached up into the heavens, and Fireman went up this ladder to hang the rest of the stars. And while he worked, of course, Coyote showed up, (laughs) asked First Woman if he could have one of the larger stars, and she agreed that he could do that if he hung it in the southern sky and he put it directly over the mountain that was known as Coyote Mountain. The work of hanging all of these stars was very slow and meticulous, particularly because First Woman also wrote the laws of the people into the stars. Now she was thinking this through and creating these connections, Coyote became impatient with the slow progress. So although he'd been allowed to hang his one star, when he saw Fireman carrying stars in both hands and climbing up the ladder, he grabbed up a bunch and and tried to go up there too to just sort of speed the whole thing along, but he got really dizzy and just tossed them into the air. Now, he stars ended up in the wrong spot. And first woman said, look what you've done. Those stars were supposed to be the ones that would establish peace and friendship among all the people on the earth. And now they're going to cause strife and dissension that's going to plague humankind forever. Coyote walked away grumbling and he saw this blanket laying on the ground that had the last little bits and chips and small pieces, little bits of quartz dust. And he grabbed at the blanket and shook it into the sky. And this formed the Milky Way. I love this idea that laws about how to live are recorded in the stars. There's a constant and beautiful reminder. <laughs> constant and beautiful reminder. And some of us, me anyway, I, I definitely can use a constant and beautiful reminder. There are eight major Navajo constellations that agree pretty closely with, um, with some of our Western or Anglo constellations. The one that we call the Big Dipper is known to the Navajo as the man who revolves. The Cassiopeia is the female who revolves. 
Then there's the Pleiades, which honestly I'm not going to attempt the pronunciation of the Navajo name. First big one is the top of Scorpio. Rabbit Tracks is the tail of Scorpio. Orion is known as First Slim One. And Corvus the Crow is known as the man with his legs ajar. And then the Milky Way has many names, um, but Awaits the Dawn is one that I've come across that I think is really beautiful. So I said a moment ago that the constellations provide a regular reminder of some of the rules or guiding principles for Navajo life. So for example, the male one who revolves, that is the Big Dipper, and the female one who revolves, Cassiopeia, move in harmony around their campfire, the North Star. And this is a reminder that a married couple should act in concert and live together, one couple per per Hogan and fire. Another example is the Milky Way. The Milky Way, or Awaits the Dawn, is a symbol of the cornmeal that first woman scatters as she prays, which is a reminder that the people should pray too. One other one, um, the tale of Scorpius, rabbit tracks. Now, rabbit was an important food source and an esteemed food source because life is transferred from animal to human. So it was understood that you didn't hunt for rabbits when rabbit tracks, that is, Scorpius's tail, is vertical in the sky because new rabbits are too young to fend for themselves. You don't want to disrupt their family development. Rabbit hunting began again when rabbit tracks, Scorpius's tail, is horizontal in the sky, which is late August this Part of the country, then you could begin to hunt rabbits again. According to the Navajo, Spider Woman taught the people how to make string figures of constellations to promote clear thought and concentration and to serve as a reminder of the laws. So you would do this as a type of meditation. I don't do a lot of rabbit hunting. And and at this point in human history, many of us don't regularly perform the activities that were orchestrated for millennia by our ancestors with the appearance and disappearance of constellations and the movement of the sun and the moon and the heavenly bodies. People who are planting and farming still have many reasons to do that. But in the daily lives of a lot of us, um, these the stars are primarily a source of beauty, a source of beauty and of wonder. And personally, knowing these stories reinforces for me that connection to the timeless and that sense of being one in a long line of human beings to look up at the stars. 
One of my favorites that is up now this summer is Delphinus, the dolphin in Latin. And that constellation was cataloged by Ptolemy in the second century. It's visible only in the northern hemisphere, and it comes up in the summer. It's up now, although September is the best month to see it. It's a little kite-shaped constellation nestled into the Milky Way. And when I look up and I see that and I call it by name, I imagine people hundreds and hundreds of years ago looking up and calling it by that name. And for thousands of years before that, and in places around the world by names that I don't know. So I want to close by sharing a poem with you by Kenneth Rex Roth that expresses some of what I'm trying to get across to you today. It's called Halley's Comet. When in your middle years the great comet comes again, remember me, a child, awake in the summer night, standing in my crib and watching that long-haired star so many years ago. Go out in the dark and see its plumes over water, dribbling on the liquid night, and think that life and glory flickered on the rushing bloodstream for me once and for all who have gone before me, vessels of the billion-year-long river that flows now in your veins. Get out summertime. We've got time. We've got extra time. The night lasts long. Get out and look at the stars, my friends. And that's it for me, Catherine Savela and Myth in the Mojave for this week. Feel free to contact me if you have questions or comments about today's program. And if you're finding something of value in Myth in the Mojave, please join the community on Bandcamp. For only $5 a month, you have unlimited access to all of the programs that are already archived there, well over 100. And you have free downloads of everything that I create. You are also playing an essential role in supporting me and making future programs possible. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next time. And until then, happy myth-making and keep the mystery in your life.